As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, James, we're back with a an August 10th edition of the League Report podcast. Who knows when people are listening to this. What's up? There's a lot going on with the Leafs right now, August 10th. Yeah. The site's been pretty quiet, but I think people are sort of understanding. Like, we've had a couple... We, we have, like, two decent Leafs pieces, but we're working on a whole bunch of stuff that's going to be really great. So we just... We don't want to put out, like, the amazing stories at like august 11th or whatever so yeah if people are like wondering where the content is we're it's going to come in september so and the the cool thing that we've also we announced this week was that we're going to do a live taping of the podcast at the rivoli in the in in the back room the little bar if you haven't been it's a really cool like intimate atmosphere and we would love to get the most diehard listeners of the podcast out and we can have a beer with you and we'll record the podcast and we'll take questions from people in the audience and uh it'll be a lot of fun it's uh a thursday night september 13th um and if you want a discount you can buy tickets at uh homestand um i think it's homestand.ca or homestand.com and you go to events and you pick the leaf report um podcast event and if you put in the promo code athletic you get uh, a discount so hopefully Hopefully we can get people out and fill the place and it'll be a good time. And if it if it's a success, we'll do it more often. Yeah, it could be something we could do throughout the year. It's September 13th yeah. is the day. So training camp opens... The 15th? Or is it a little later than that? Actually, I think training camp... I think physicals are the 13th. It's going to be a long day for us. Yeah, and then i got to go out to Niagara Falls. Right. It's actually good timing, though, because people are going to be really into sure. it. You know. Oh, my God. The, the excitement that first day of, like... The Tavera stuff is just going to be nuts. On ice or like even before that? Even before. So the 13th is going to... I mean, it's fine. We we can figure it out. Yeah. The stories will just come out later. <laughs> well, and the Rivoli, the Rivoli has good pool tables. Like there's a cool setup. Yeah, so like, you can, pool. You want to come to No, but event. like people can I hang guess, out there after. Well, the food's good too. You can come and get a meal and then... And hopefully we can have some like special guests. I don't know who, but... We're working on... Yeah, we're working on making it really fun and lighthearted and... And it's only, I think it's like 15 bucks to go or whatever. So hopefully, and it's a good way to help to help support the podcast. We're working on ways that uh, we can make the podcast that we do it every single week, even when Jonas or I is on the road. So um, we're hoping we can get that figured out and, and we can have guests on and make it a lot more frequent, but also better. And I'm going to be on the road a lot right you're, away. You're going to be on the road less than last year. Yeah, no, it's actually about we, the same. But yeah. We had no. Well, last year didn't you do like thirty-one road games or something? We have killed you. Uh, maybe it was. I can't believe I used to do every single game, including like all nine preseason games. That's crazy. Well, didn't you did it for like seven years or something? Didn't you? At least that, yeah. All right. I think we'll start today with 
hmm, where should we start today? We have a few topics we want to get to. It's August, so there's so much pressing stuff that we have to talk about. Uh, hmm. Do you want to start with the Dylan Larkin contract? Yeah. And maybe it... kind of how it ties in potentially to William Neander? Right. So were you surprised at the length, the dollars, any part? Like what part of it maybe surprised you? No, it's a contract that comes in line with like what Nikolai Ehlers and uh, Pasternak. And like it's that's kind of like the not... Um, not like Eichel, McDavid level guys are coming in in that six by six range. Mm-hmm. So Larkin signed today for five years, six point one million a year. The five years is interesting because it only buys you one year of UFA. So that could be part of why the number is lower. I don't know if we want it. I mean, it's so the the interesting thing and the question we're getting from a lot of people on Twitter is that um, how how does that contract affect William Nylander, because if you look at the numbers, Nylanders are better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that that's the reality for the Leafs, is that this Nylander contract is going to be difficult to get done. And um, five years by $6.1 million, it's going to be more than that. Like, I think it's going to cost them more than that. Well, the one thing that like I, th- I think gets lost maybe a little bit with Pasternak is that he signed it before the season. Right. And then he had, I think, he 80 points. Too. Right. He signed it. Like, so when you're looking at Pasternak, you have to judge him sort of in a different lens because that 80-point year, whatever it was that he just had. Is 76, it? I think, yeah. Yeah, it's not in there. So I, I think he's fans. closer to Pasternak pushing Pasternak. Right. The fans all the time are like, well, Pasternak had those big playoffs and whatever. And it's like, yeah, but that was like after the deal was doesn't done. doesn't matter. It doesn't, like, that's not, he didn't negotiate off those. Like, he would have been able to get more if he didn't sign before he had done that. So I understand what people are saying. Like, he's, Pasternak's done more, like, but, like, he hadn't, anyway, it's, the, the whole um, art of, like, figuring out what guys are worth and it's amazing how much work goes into it on the team side and the agent side i mean we've talked we talked about it was it last podcast i think of with all three guys like going through what they're going to get and everything Mm -hmm. um it's incredible how complicated it is well because there's so many different paths you can go right and like we talked about matthew's last podcast and you and i've been talking about that that still and we just keep thinking like maybe if you're the leafs you just try to push this down the number down as far as you can and like Maybe it's not 11, maybe it's like 10 point whatever. You know what I mean? Like maybe you can just, you just try to push for every dollar you can get because like you never know. Does that make sense? Like wow. you, that's their I job. Like that's their, their job is, right. I mean, and I think what Dubas alluded to after they signed Tavares is that they want to create an environment where guys are like, want to be part of it and don't necessarily, and I think Shanahan said it too, don't necessarily just want to go for the highest dollar figure, that it's not just about that. And that's one thing that I, Lawrence Gilman, the new assistant GM, that's one thing that I know that he and, and Mike Gillis really pushed to do in Vancouver and succeeded. If you look at some of those Sedin contracts and uh, I think Edler and um, some of the guys that were part of that core that went to the final in uh, 2011, um, that they were able to lock them in. And then they had, like, they were a contending team for, they weren't a contending team for one or two years, they were for a, a period of time. Is there any part of you, that has a problem's the wrong word, but is there any part of you that has an issue with like asking players to do that? Do you know where I'm coming from? Like you're you're I don't know. Like you see some teams tell players to take less and then the teams don't aren't as responsible in how they use the dollars that they've saved. Do you know what I mean? Like so if you're gonna ask me to take less and then you're gonna go overpay this other guy I don't know. Like, do, do you understand? Like, I feel like it's not totally fair to players to, to ask them to do that. Well, and not only that, but like, it's 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 a business. Like, it's not. I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. I, I what what they're hoping is that Toronto is such a desirable place to play. I guess the 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 team side argument, what it would be, is like if every guy is pushing for the most possible amount of money, they're not going to be able to keep all of those guys. Mm -hmm. Like like you look at what happened with Chicago having to trade Panarin, and like although you can argue that they didn't need to do that if they had done other things, but yeah, right. But that's I guess that's exactly my point. Like they they screw up in other ways. I don't know. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Like if Marner wants to push to get the same contract as Matthews, like. 
let's say Marner has a big year and then he's pushing for like a really big number. It are they going to be able to accommodate that? I get what you're saying. Like it's it it is a business. The players have earned the right to make a certain amount of money yeah. based on their comparables. So why should they get less? That's it. The one of the problems you could potentially run into is that if you just focus on the dollars, you could end up in like some really undesirable mm-hmm. team. You know, you'll get more money, but you'll end up right. You're, you're choosing you'll end up in a bad situation. You're choosing the chance to win, and like there's a really good example of that in the NBA, which is Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo, like a lot of times, decided that he he wanted the money. Like there were opportunities that he could have left New York, and he took huge money and made big money and he hasn't won and now and he's bounced around a and lot, he's bounced around now and you know now he's going to go to houston and now he'll get a chance to win but See, it's I like said that like i knew what i was talking about and i have no idea it's true he, he got <laughs> traded this summer but and then he signed with a different team um but yeah i i can i i, th- I guess what's going to happen is caught my pen um i guess what's going to happen is it's going to be the guys it's not going to be matthews marner neander Tavares. It's going to be the next core that they just they just won't be able to pay. It's going to be the Hymans, the Browns. You know what I mean? Like that. Eventually, you're just going to have to. Replace. Gardner's an interesting one. You know. Yeah. The when when some of the the contracts or like what about like Dermot? Like when his comes out, become or... replaceable. Well, maybe he won't. Like maybe he makes himself into a top pair or top four defenseman. And maybe he won't be. Right. But you're right. I think that yeah. I mean, like the further you go down. Let's say they keep the core together, which is what Kyle Dubas has said. They keep Tavares, Marner, Nylander, yeah. Matthews. Let's say they keep them together for four or five years. Towards the end of that, or even longer, towards the end of that, there's going to be a lot of hard decisions that have to be made on... Mm-hmm. Like, let's say Dermot has a huge year. It's like, are we going to be able to afford to... to Like, you look at what Matt Dumba got from Minnesota. It was a big number. Yeah. and It's going to be like, in Chicago, to use that example, it's going to be like you're going to cast aside... The Dave Bolins, the Andrew Lads, the Christopher Steegs, Dustin Bufflin's a different case, but like Brandon Sod. Brandon Sod's a really good example. Like you're gonna have to move on from those guys and just even to if keep you your like core. Some of them and even yeah, yeah, you just can't afford it. Right. That's like the the tricky thing with the cap is like you punish teams for being good. So the good thing is that the cap has gone up quite a lot, and it wasn't. It didn't go up as a result of the PA using the five percent inflator. It went up like legitimately because revenues went up so much. And apparently, Vegas, uh, Vegas revenues were apparently like one hundred and fifty million plus, which put them close to the top ten in the league. And um, if the cap keeps going up four million a year, I think you can kind of rationalize it. These raises that that Marner and Matthews and Nylander are getting that over the next three, four, five years. That new cap space is what they are going to be assuming, right? So, yeah, yeah. that's all I have to say. But <laughs> all right, um, one of the things that we were going to talk about last podcast. Actually, we have a few things that we didn't talk about that we were going to talk about today. Um, that six defenseman spot and Justin Hall, his name is written on my notepad. I think he's going to get it. Okay, so well, let me ask you this question: Heading into camp, the number six defenseman on Mike Babcock's depth chart is who? If you had to guess. I think it's Justin Hall. See, I, th- I think it, it would be math, man. I don't know. You think it's that Ozig Ozigan? No, I think it's Carrick. But oh, I see what you're saying. You're yeah. I guess I'm thinking seven. Yeah, I mean, it's there's gonna. I think there's gonna be a battle in camp. But I I bet that the discussions between Dubas and Babcock are about how can we get better on defense, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. You can't just go with the same six to get better. Like, if you just run Carrick, what are the pairs if you do that? Like, I think the yeah. thing that you can change if it's Justin Hall or one of the other Marlies is that maybe you can play that pair more. Like, maybe you don't have a one, two, three pair. Maybe you have a first pair with Riley on it and whoever. Um, and then you have two second pairs or two whatever. You know what I mean? Like, maybe those, maybe your second and third pair play equal minutes as opposed to last year where they were some games the third pair wasn't hardly playing at all well because they were basically doing two pairs that played basically the same 20 around 20 minutes and then a third pair that doesn't play as much yeah Yeah. like 20 to 22 right yeah maybe you try to balance your pairs a little better maybe you try something different like well they had to to play more than 20 because if you do if the the top two pairs play 20 minutes then there's still another 20 minutes left for the third pair if you look at the ice time it was like 22 21 20 like if between Riley, Gardner, Zaitsev, Hainsey. Right. They're all right in the same ballpark. Right. But like maybe what you do is maybe, I don't know, maybe you do 
Riley and Carrick or I don't know, like maybe you try maybe you play Hainsey with Dermot and They maybe, still don't have an answer for who you play against other teams' top lines. But they're not but there's no you can you can try the puzzle pieces as many different combinations as you want and you're you're probably not gonna have that. One question that I got from a reader on Twitter today when we put out the call for questions was uh do you think that Riley and Hainsey play together again? That would be like one thing they could change that would really give them a different look. But I wonder if they go into the season and it's like, okay, we have a really good team. We're going to make the playoffs. Let's like try, let's try some different things as opposed to just doing what we did last year. Yeah. Like that was one of the, my main criticisms of Babcock once they had already clinched the playoff spot is they didn't try anything else. Like they didn't like try and get better. And I wonder if, I, I have no idea. I wonder if Kyle Dubas is saying to Babcock, like, let's just like try playing some of these Marley's guys more and let's try and have all different pairs and see how it goes. And if it's, it's a mess, we can, we can always go to Riley Hainsey in November or December or whatever. Yeah. We know what that is. Let's try some other things and see what it looks like. I wonder what those things are though. That's like the, that's the hard part. Like, is it trying Dermot on the right and playing him with Riley? Like, I don't, I don't know. What about playing Dermot with Justin Hall and making that your second pair and giving those guys legit minutes? And then what having... about Gardner and Riley? <laughs> I know you hate talking about that one. Well, it's just yeah. It'll be interesting to. I wonder if they'll add try and add a defenseman still. They've they've only got if they don't want to go into the bonus money and the LTIR, they've only got about three point two million or something like that. So they don't really. But you could always move a salary out and bring a salary. That's in. the one thing we like. You always have to remember is it doesn't really matter if they're what their defense is on October or whatever. It's like at the end of the year, like if. If we go into the trade deadline and they are where we think they are, and they're are struggling tr- on D. They're going to try to add a D. Like they're going to they're in position to win a cup. Like they're not going to mess around now. Whereas like you could look at these last 2 years and you could they could make this argument to themselves, we're close, but like we're not there and like do you know what I mean? Now now it's like you're in it. Maybe you were in it before, I don't know. I still don't understand why they were attached to Calvin DeHaan as like a potential. Yeah. But, well, I mean, that thing, was the agent saying that, so maybe it, maybe it was like... But they, an agent wouldn't just completely invent that a team was... I don't know. I don't know. I'm very wary when I see these tweets and reports of teams. Yes. And now I'm, like, catching myself, like, even when, like... I don't know. Some of these agents are telling me, like, this many teams were interested. I'm going to... Like, I need to say that that's what they're saying. Right. I don't know if that's true. Right. So, anyway, that's a side note. Um... Yeah, I just don't. I just don't know what combinations you can do with that that makes it work better. Like at some point, like the ingredients you have are the ingredients you have, and like you can, you can only make the the dish in so many ways. Do you think Martin Marincin has a snowball's chance in hell of getting NHL minutes? He was well, good. With, he was good for the Marlies. So the, the, if he has a good camp, maybe you move someone to the right. But the only guy who can move to the like I could see the moon in the right is Dermot. And even that, I, I I don't know. What about Calais Rosen, Andreas Borgman, Oja Ganov, Jordan Subban? We, so the Marlies guys we know aren't going to make the team are Andrew Nielsen, Vin, Vinny Loverde. Loverde? Yeah. Uh, Timothy Logren's going to get another full year in the AHL, which he needs. But that leaves a whole bunch of other guys that... I, I it, I wouldn't rule out them trying a bunch of weird combinations with some of these Marlies guys in there in, in camp. Well, that... At camp, like they're that's absolutely something they should do. Just because like it's it's preseason games, like you should try some shit. But Rosen's interesting because he was really good with the Marlies. Yeah. He was really good in the playoffs. Yeah. And like maybe if if, some, if he was a right shot, it would be Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. like maybe maybe him being in the mix, like let's say he has a good camp, maybe it allows you to try some different things. I don't know. They they also need like people to be better. They need Zaitsev to be better. I wonder if, like, they were testing Dermot on the right side with the yeah. Marlies last year a little bit. Like, he said he only played, like, I think he only played, like, six games there or something like that. But if you go into camp with that as the mindset of can he play the right side, maybe... It opens things up. Maybe, like, you just do that for the first, for all of camp and preseason. And then if it yeah. works okay, then you do it early in the season. And you can, like I said, you can always go back to what you had last year. But... You don't need to go into the camp with that. Well, and the thing is, like, they're going to have to get to a point where you can't be playing, like, let's use PK as an example. 
you can't be playing Ron Hainsey five minutes a, a game on the penalty kill. And one of the interesting things that's going to be that we'll look at this year is like who replaces the minutes that went to Roman Polak on the penalty kill. Like you look at that group and like there's no guy who sticks out and you say that guy's going to take the minutes. Maybe what happens is Riley plays more, uh, Zaitsev plays a bunch, Hainsey plays a bunch, and maybe Dermot, you know, takes some more PK minutes. I don't know. I was working on a story about how um, during the playoffs, and I talked to Dermot about how he was in all the PK meetings, and like he said, he knew that if he was going to be, you know, like an impact defenseman in the NHL, it was going to be more as a penalty killer than a power play guy. So I wouldn't rule that at all. That <clears throat> early in the year, that Dermot's in the mix on the penalty kill. But one of the things like we're hitting on that's going to be interesting is to see what changes and like what what changes we can actually detect now that Dubas is the general manager and Lou Lamorello isn't. Like, I wonder how much we'll be able to see that's happening different or if it's just going to all be behind the scenes. Like, I think backup goalie will be one thing that we can, like, shining beacon a potential change. Well, we yeah, in term, especially in, like, how much that guy plays, how much the backup plays. How much that guy plays and who it is, like, just the I start. I think these sparks, don't you think? I, you can't I wave think, sparks. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. But, like... And there's no, you're not going to get anything for him in a trade right now. I think you just got to see what he is. And I don't think you're going to lose... So I heard Pickard is available by a trade. Teams are saying that Pickard's available by trade. So maybe they're... And I think McElhaney would get through waivers, so... You would... Maybe, I would think Maybe so. McElhaney's just like your like third guy who's like... That's exactly what he should be. Right. Like he's... Someone gets he's, hurt, and then... And then you just back, call him up to back up and not play very much. Right. That's what he is. Like, he's 35, I think. Right. But... I don't know. Like one of the changes, and, and this actually is a good segue into the next topic. Podcast is brought to you by Bab Socks. You're not wearing Bab Socks. You're in summer mode. It's, it's hot. Do you wear flip flops a lot in summer? Oh, yeah. Sandals. I, like I, my sock drawer doesn't get opened most of the time in the summer. Yeah, me too. I find I'm getting older though, so it's like harder to walk around in just sandals, like exclusively all the time. Do you do um, shoes with no socks ever? No, I don't really like that. I do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think you got to have like a I. I don't know. I think it's risky. I don't think you're supposed to. Yeah. But you get pa- athlete's foot and all that crap. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've had experience with that. It's not It's not ideal. Oh, by the way, I haven't watched that movie yet. The game. I need to. Some people... I haven't had time yet. Uh, made time Elliot yet. Friedman texted me and said that... Yeah, you, me you, too. You, he texted you to say... Yeah. I think he texted me. He's like, oh, you should see it. And it's like, no, 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 I saw it. It's like, I'm trying to get Jonas to watch it. Do you know what? I watched... Uh, do you watch... Do you like, like scary horror movies? Uh, no. it uh, I like like aliens. I like like if there's like a good plot. If it's what did you watch? The new it? No, I, I already watched that on the plane. Is that good? To Croatia. Yeah. I'm thinking of seeing it. Was, that. It was freaky watching it on a plane when my it's like all dark. My wife will never watch a movie like that. Same. Never. Same. So I'm going to be watching it on my own. Yeah. So I watched this movie. It, it's called The Babadook and it's like an Australian horror movie okay. and it was this. Yeah. You should watch that one. When I was when I was like a teenager in high school, we watched all of those. Like I've seen all of the Jasons and the Freddy movies and all that crap. And like even like the dumb ones, like Critters and huh. what are some of the other ones? I never Ghoulies and like just uh. ridiculous ones. The Ghoulies, like you read from a book and they come out of the toilet and they're like. Huh. <laughs> but it's like when you're like sixteen, that's those movies are hilarious. One I never watched along those lines that I think I was too ner- scared or something to watch, but maybe it's not that scary. Maybe I should watch it now. Is like that Children of the Corn. I never saw that. Oh. Okay. Anyway, the Jason track. movies were like hilarious though. Like he would there was one where he was like fighting a boxer on top of a building. I have no idea which one it was. He there's a there's this like big big boxer guy and he's like trying to like fight him and he gets in some shots on jason and then jason takes a big punch and just punches his head off and it goes flying and like lands in a dumpster at the bottom of the building that's my recollection and so that's more funny than it is scary <laughs> like did you watch the i know what you did last summers i saw the first one those are they're all right just like kind of creepy or whatever yeah like the stephen king books and all that i yeah the one that i heard that i want to see is called split it's like m night Shyamalan. never saw it Apparently it's good. So scary. That's like on. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a. It's James McAvoy, and he's like oh. got like multiple oh, personalities. Oh, I know which one you're talking like, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's on my list to watch. When you watch it, do you like turn out all the lights and like try to scare yourself, or do you like keep the lights no. on? I don't know. I just <laughs> do. I just like drink beer and like whatever. I don't know. All right. 
Um, we were supposed to segue into yeah, we, what was, was the segue? Oh yeah, I'm gonna see it now, and I can we can do a yeah, watch it. There's okay. I've got it. I've got it on my computer, so it's it's freaky. Like the it's it's. I never saw the original one. Did you? No, I actually bought it for my girlfriend as like a joke, and then we we literally put the DVD in, started to watch four minutes in, and turned it off because she's like, nope, can't watch this. Cause it's like with a clown. The it's original. Like a, yes, and it's like it's freaky. Pennywise. Yeah. Yeah. There was a band called Pennywise. Did you ever hear them? It was a punk band. No. All right. Now we're way off the rails. Okay. So one of the things like we were just touching on is, is Kyle Dubas and the effect that we'll see in the roster. Um, Jay, Justin Bourne wrote a, a story for The Athletic about maybe the Leafs have overcorrected for skill. Like that was kind of the theory he was posing. I don't agree. All they lost was Martin, Polak, and Komarov. Komarov. Well, but his point was, like, if you look at the fourth line as an example, their fourth line's probably going to be something like Lindholm, Kapanen. Ennis. Ennis. Or, or Levo. Something like that. Yeah, right. Uh, it'll be, it's not going to be Levo. Come on. I think Levo's getting traded. Yes. So his point was, like, maybe they have gone too far, that they don't have any players on the roster at all who intimidate you. My counter to that would be, if I was an opponent, I would be more intimidated by a skilled team in that they can embarrass you. My counter to that is like, don't you think part of... Your counter to the counter? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My counter to the counter would be, um, don't you think part of what happened in the Boston series that worked against them is that Boston was a more physical team and beat them in the corners and... Like, I don't think that was the only reason they lost that series, but I think it was a factor. I think that the Leafs need to get better at playing those teams. Maybe, but like, let me counter the counter the counter. Their best player had one goal. Their second best player, whoever you want to say he is, Frederick Anderson was not very good. Right. And they were up in the third period of Game 7. Going into the third period. Right. Well, you factor in Kadri taking the dumb suspension. Kadri misses three games. And Anderson not playing that well. And like so those like, are big factors. Those, that, but that's but really Matthews hard to get Nayland over. Those. Not producing. Well, like that, so those are three big things. Like it's hard to get over your goalie not being good, your two of your three best offensive players not being good, and your second best center not playing. No, almost if half we knew that series. going into the into the series, we would be like, oh, it's gonna be over in five games or whatever. So like the way I've started I've think I've thought about this for a long time. And actually, you kind of started it with some of the stuff with, like, the fourth line and the enforcers and stuff. I just started to think of it like pond hockey. Like, if I was playing a pond hockey game, would I want this big, tough team or would I want a team that's really skilled? I'd want the team that's really skilled because they're, they're going to have the puck the whole time. Well, the league is changing for sure. That's the- so his point, like, have they, they overcorrected for the league changing? And you don't think so? I don't think so. I, I, no. I just wonder if they match up more poorly against some teams. Like, I don't think that, that having a tough team is going to win in the sense that the way people talked about the Ducks winning in 2007 with the truculence and, and all that stuff. Like, I, I think best case scenario, you, ha- you have a team that's tough and skilled, right? What, do, what are we defining tough as? Like, do anything in the corner to get the puck or the front of the net or... But so maybe that's like... William Nylander adding a layer of like right. grit to his game and like right. some edge like where right I don't know but it, I, I don't think it necessarily means bringing in bigger physical players I'd rather have the other way I guess is there what were I'm some saying. guys in that series in the playoffs that like Hyman played physical Kadri mm-hmm. obviously it's I, what if we just boil it like what about just the you're talking about the fourth line what about the D like it's like do well they, he, do he mentions the D so yeah I, I I should have read Justin's piece before we recorded so I'm relying yes. on your interpretation of no he mentioned the D like you look at like who is someone on that D that you would be worried about going into a corner with there's no one but but maybe what? that doesn't matter like these guys are more likely to get the puck conceivably well and the Leafs D is going to move more in that direction unless, like, they're adding somebody. Like, all these guys we're talking about with the Marlies, like, there's nobody there that's a skull crusher. I mean, Borgman hits guys, I guess. Are the best... Yeah. I, uh, are they better off having Polak or not having Polak? I would not say they're better having, off not having not Polak. Having. 
But like, although like, he was fine in the second. Put half. it this way: like Washington's D's, you know, Orlov, yeah. Carlson. Same with Vegas. Yeah, generally, they, like I guess well, they have Vegas, England, who's like a big tough guy. McNabb's but, a big dude, and like, yeah. I don't think so. Tampa's interesting, where like their forwards are tiny, like probably the smallest in the league, and then their D is really big. Well, like I wonder if that's like it's that I don't know. And their D has some of those like old school elements with like Girardi and like. I guess McDonough doesn't meet that. He's he's more well rounded, but although they've got more skill, Coburn, now. they got rid of Suster, and I don't even know where he ended up. But but like Strawman, Hedman, Sergachev, McDonough, a lot of skating and skill. Yeah, Hedman. Did you say Hedman? Yeah. Oh. Okay. All right. Next thing. Uh, hmm, we did you... not solve the toughness question. I bet you. That I had this in my mailbag a couple of weeks ago. The least you're going to finish last in the NHL in hits. That's my prediction. Yeah, that's a good prediction. Well, let me, let me add to that. One thing I could see happening, and we're not going to see this, although maybe we will, I could see a situation where if Babcock looks at the roster and thinks exactly what Justin is thinking, where in one of those post-game press conferences or in a meeting with Dubas says, we are not, we lack that element. Like, we are not tough enough or we are not, we need a little more bite. Because they don't have that. I could see that happening. Like, there were times last year and in the past couple years where Babcock has made it pretty clear what he wants for the roster. Like, he, even publicly. Yeah, like a center, specifically. Yeah, like he he went out of his way to say what was apparent, that they needed more centers. Is there, like, a money ball factor here, do you think, with Dubas taking away... For lack of a better word, taking away Babcock's toys, taking away Leo, taking away Bullock, yeah. taking away uh, Matt Martin, like really removing those. I mean, I know that those guys played less late in the year, but Babcock was still very adamant that they were they were integral pieces. So, well, if you brought back Polak, he's playing. Right. If you brought back Komarov, he's playing. Right. That's the, that's the thing. Like you just, it, it's exactly like you say. You just take them away, and they're not there. You can only play the guys who are there. The interesting thing, too, is that there's not exactly, like, like the battles for camp positions. You look at the forwards and the D. There's not, like, there's not options where Babs could go, like, sorry, Babcock could go, I'm going to pick this, like, tougher guy, and he's going to beat out Tyler Ennis for the job. Like, who's it going to be? No. Like, you look at the whole roster, there's, there isn't anybody. They, they don't exist. So I wonder. I wonder if that's calculated. Like I wonder if they're like they don't want to give him options for that. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Well, if you don't want to play that way, you don't give the coach options. Right. Like that's what ended up. I'm glad you brought up Moneyball. That's what ended up happening with the A's. Is like they just. I'm pretty sure they just got rid of. They started cutting and trading the ones. Yeah. yeah. So he couldn't play them. Right. Hard how I think it was. Right. It's hard to play players when they're not on the team anymore. Yes. It's that's, a that's one thing I've learned covering the NHL for 12 years. Well, so this is a good, another good transition. This is perfect. Um, some people asked, I think you threw out on Twitter for questions, but some people were asking about like potential PTOs and like areas of need. I still think it's a little weird that they are going into, and this can change, obviously, it's like the middle of August, that they wouldn't give themselves a backup plan if Parliament Home can't play. Yeah, I know. Uh, I think that's a little I, weird. I think they are going to. I think you have to. I would be very... They're going to do something. I think what's happening right now with all the UFAs that are left is that there's this like stalemate over the players want more than just like a league minimum deal and the teams are like kind of squeezing them and there's like... Mm-hmm. You see what, what Derek Grant... Derek Grant signed with uh, Pittsburgh and like he's a pretty good fourth line player for Anaheim last year, a center. Um I saw our uh, our Penguins writer Josh Yohe wrote about how like why does Pittsburgh have so many centers? But I think it's smart. Like I think that the Leafs should have went and signed a Derek Grant. He only he signed for league minimum. I think six fifty. Um, I think that's the league minimum this year. It's, it keeps going up every year. But to answer your question, they're going to do something. Like and you even look at the Marlies and they're real thin at center. So well, like if if, if Lindholm can't play, the next option is the goat or Josh Juris or. No, I, I think they need to add somebody. You have to. Like, they got to give themselves some sort of insurance in case, like, you find out he Well, can't. what if you run into injuries? I mean, well, can Lindholm play in your top three if you have if one of your big guys goes down? I mean, I guess you move Nylander over. Yeah, I think that's what you'd probably do. 
But again, that's that's not. I don't think that's what they want to do, or I don't think that's what Mike Babcock wants to do. Like, let's say one of the top three centers gets hurt for a couple weeks. Yeah, it's it's got to be Neander. Like, there's no other option like, that I can see. I don't know. So, in and I guess the other thing we can touch on there is like maybe you give yourself a couple more options on D. Like Cody Franz is the name you threw out before the podcast. I think I had him in someone threw a list of me. like unheralded free agents that they could chase. Like, I don't know. Maybe you see like maybe he's a better fit than Carrick or Ojaganov or Hall. I don't know. Well, I mean, Franza did play in the minors last year, so it's not like if he doesn't make the team, maybe he's a guy that bounces between the Marlies and the Leafs, and if there's injuries or, like, if you have problems on right D, that he's a guy that comes up or... Why do you think now that, like, stats and stuff have become more integral to teams and how they operate, why he hasn't, like, broken through that? Because the numbers on him... the other way for him. It's weird. Like, the numbers for him in Chicago last year were awesome. And obviously it was, like, generous zone starts and all that stuff, but he spent some time in their top pair. He played with Duncan Keith. And the numbers were really good. The numbers were really good. Pretty clearly... Probably Joel Quenville didn't like him for some reason, just like Randy Carlisle didn't love him for whatever reason, I think. Um, like, why do you think he hasn't pushed past and people are just like, you know, well, when he's on the ice and good things happen, I don't care what he looks like. Well, it's kind of like Martin Marincin, right? Yeah, same thing. Sort of the same thing, a little different. They, like, they're, they like look awkward and they skate funny. And I know the stats people are, like, adamant that... Franzen should be a top 4D and they like they've been saying that for years and years and years yeah. and it's interesting that like NHL head coaches and even GMs because like Franz is not signed right now so it's not like it's just like old school head coaches deciding this there are more and more new school front offices and even they are like not chasing down Cody Franzen right now and what's weird is like when I think of someone else on the Leafs Zaitsev looks like he should be really good like and the numbers, and the numbers are horrible not horrible the numbers aren't that as good so like it's like it's almost like some of the past is still trapped in front offices or I don't know. Or like raw Corsi numbers aren't like Maybe they have better data. There's more there's more to it than that, which is I think that's part of it too. Like better data? Yeah. Or they don't yeah, or they don't rely just on, on that to decide if a guy's good or, or bad. There's a lot if you look around the league, there's a lot of third pair defensemen that have really good Corsi or possession stats. Yes. Like and there's a reason for that, and that's one thing like I think we as like a media population have to do better. The difference between Travis Dermott's the importance of his possession numbers versus Riley, it's not the same thing. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, or like, yeah, you look at like the minutes that like a Victor Hedman gets versus what yes. Sergachev got, or what... and I've made that mistake, and I won't, I won't make it again. Right. So, anyway, what else is on our list? I don't know. You have the list. I have the list. So, in one of your mailbags not that long ago, um, you had a question that was along the lines of which players do you think will exceed expectations, and which players do you think will struggle to meet expectations. I don't know if you remember who was on your list, but like who comes to mind? Let's start with exceed expectations. And I have the depth chart here if you want to look. I'm going to have to look up what I had. I remember who I had um, fail to meet expectations if you want to start there. Sure, or or like struggle it. to meet expectations. I remember I had Kasperi Kapanen was one of them because I feel like I, th- I feel like uh, fan media expectation is that he's going to be like a 18, 20 goal, 35 point guy that's going to play in the top nine the whole year. And I'm not sure that that's the case. I think he still might be a fourth line guy that's penalty killing and that his, his point totals might not be as high as people think. I agree with that. And I think it's I think what's happened with him is a little bit of what's happened in the playoffs. Like he's had some playoff games where he's been he's scored some important goals. He's a first round pick. I just think there's like a pedigree thing, but like if you're projecting this season minutes, I think Connor Brown will play more. I think Andreas Janssen will play more. Like one of the interesting things that happened at the end of last year, um, when you were looking at like what their roster would look like, the bottom two lines, I thought Andreas Janssen at the time, and I still think so, was better than Kapanen, and I didn't sort of understand why the debate wasn't why isn't Janssen playing above Kapanen. Right. Um, so yeah, Janssen's more versatile. Versatile, yeah. yes. 
Okay, so the other player I had, the other two players I had under struggle to meet expectations were Igor Ozhiganov, which maybe that's like too. I don't know. I just don't think he's going to make the team, and I, he might end up back in Russia, or maybe he'll play with the Marlies a bit, or whatever. Um, and the other guy was Patrick Marlowe, who I just think had a really high shooting percentage, and I think he had 27 goals last year. Is that right? Like, I don't think he's going to score as many goals. 27 the year before, and I think 25 the year before right. that. Well, and the thing, too, is that they're talking about playing him with Matthews the whole year. So if he plays with Matthews and Nylander all year, then you would think he's going to score a lot. I just... With Marlowe, I just feel like at some point there's going to be a, a decline. And that I think some of... Like, he had a bunch of empty netters and stuff last year. I think his, I think his point totals are going to be lower. His goal totals and point totals are going to be lower. And that maybe he gets talked about more negatively this year than he did last year. Hmm. That's an interesting one. What about... Hmm, I got a couple options. What about Anderson? It could be. Yeah, it could. But I did think about him, but... It's with goalies. It's really hard to predict. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like the team is now expected to be you're better. Guessing. You're like you're. Yeah, I mean, if he has a nine ten all year or something, and has like a bunch of those periods where he struggles, yeah. and especially if Garrett Sparks is the backup and plays more and has better numbers, that'll be really interesting. That's yeah. not out of the realm of possibility. No, it happens all the time. Like, look what happened last year. I'm trying to think of some examples, like Washington. Like, Braden Holpe, I don't think he even started the playoffs because right. Grubauer was playing better. Saros and Nashville played really well. Not that Rene lost. Well, I mean. Well, and that's like the weird thing with these teams signing goalies long term. Like, even Hellebuck. It's just so hard to predict, like, what, what a goalie's going to be. Right. Gibson got an eight-year deal. Yeah, I mean, that's those are the two of, like, the best yeah. young goalies. So, if you're going to bet on anyone. But man, eight years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Anderson like is a fine. I'll cho- give choice, I'll get another one. Um, but, but you're like it's a complete guess, though, right? Like, of course, all these are. This is what this is. Yeah, the one that I think is interesting, and I don't know what the expectations are, but I think Zaitsev. I think the expectation is that he's going to bounce back. Maybe he's just not good enough. Like maybe he is yeah. just a bottom that's pair a defenseman, one. and like that's what he is. That's a good one. Yeah, we, this is like a really a decision year with him. Whether yeah, yeah. whether that rookie season was what he was or if if last season was just injuries or not well let me let's talk about that rookie season for a second part of what like made it sparkle actually two parts one he put on the top pair and the top pair was okay not great okay and the other thing was he got a ton of points and part of that was he played on their first power play which is not going to happen again and i think a lot of second assists right yes and a lot of second assists uh, he's, I think he spent a lot of time on the ice with Matthews, I think. Tyler Dello talks about it all the time with defensemen that, like, you can't judge what they are just based on points. Like, it's such a... And he, that was a really good case. And I, he didn't have very many points last year. Twelve, I think. So, like, I don't know. That's a tough one. That make, that, I, like, I think that that makes sense. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the expectations for him are at a certain level that he might not be able to reach. Yes. So we move to the exceed expectation people. Okay, the three I had, number one, I had Garrett Sparks, because like as we just talked about, I think that potentially he could exceed expectations. Um, number two is Andreas Janssen, just because I think his ceiling is very high. And the third one I picked was Zach Hyman, just because I don't think people ever have very high expectations for Zach Hyman. And I think that last year he last year he won a lot of people over. That were, remember, remember all the complaints in his rookie year? Like, why is he with Matthews? Why is he with Matthews? Why is he with Matthews? He was one of the best players in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He scored 15 goals. And I think that... I think that Hyman's going to continue to prove people wrong. So that's well now potentially he plays with Tavares. Yes, and they're going to put him in like the Anders Lee role where he's like you're banging pucks in off yeah. his knees and whatever. And you know I think that Hyman could yeah. So I think that he could put up numbers that will surprise a lot of people. Those are good choices. I'll give you one. I think Neander. I think it's like it's weird how he's viewed a little bit. He's viewed differently than Marner. Maybe that's age. Maybe that's personality. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's that Marner has shown for longer stretches, like that he can be really, really, really high impact. Marner kind of has that, like London Knights, World Junior, yeah. Canadian familiarity kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it's just. I and Neilander's like he presents himself like kind of like very aloof, right? Aloof and like kind of like. I always think of him like that Cheshire cat where he's like kind of sneaky. He's like, he's got like this little smile and he's got the hair and you know what I mean? Like there's like a slickness to him. Right. 
But I think like But the fan base loves Neilander though. As like, they should. Right. And I think it's like put, a media thing, isn't it? It's that a, some of the media people don't like Neilander. Media people don't like people who aren't good quotes and William isn't the best quote and he does it in a way where he just kind of gives short answers and he's quick and he's like he's not rude at all um what i what i was told is that he's just a very quiet person like that's kind of the people who are close to neilander said he's kind of that's kind of who he is like he's and who cares but the the thing with neilander is like i just think there's so much potential like he could be i could think he could score 35 goals and have 80 points we haven't seen him do it consistently consistently and part of that is like there's something that's not there every night with him part of it was matthews was out for 20 games last year too right yeah that has something to do with it too and like his numbers were pretty close to the year before and the big difference between the two years was the power play he didn't get any points um but like if he can find a way to be more nylander getting like 72 points or whatever would not surprise me no but like how do you think like if i'm babcock and like this is clearly what he's trying to do he's tried to basically say Neilander needs to be more like Hyman night to night in the sense that like I need to know that you're going every night and it's like if he had that he would be he'd be a top 20 scorer in the league you know what I mean so if like if he could ever find that like there is right a big time star right so anyway well his skill set is unbelievable unbelievable like his skill set might be better than Marner's I I think it probably is but in terms of shooting, stick handling, yeah, well, yeah. he has an awesome shot. Marner doesn't have a great right. shot, right. so right. Anyway, anyone else do you think that can exceed expectations? Maybe I'll counter your your Patrick Marlowe. <laughs> you're gonna put him. <laughs> you're gonna put him there. He has he has probably exceeded expectations so far in Toronto. Yeah, three year deal. So we'll I see. thought he was great in the playoffs. I mean, I thought yeah, he always is. All right. I don't know. I don't think I have anyone else who would... Dermot? I mean, Dermot could exceed expectations. Yeah, but, like, what are the expectations? I don't know. Just that he, Third he plays more that... regularly? I, like, I think that's the expectation. I expect him to meet that. How would he exceed it? I guess right. if he plays... Establishing on himself t- in the top four, yeah. Yeah, if I mean, he played on, like, the top possible. pair. I mean, I don't know what the combinations would look like, but I think it's possible that he does that. Yeah. What about... Here's an interesting one. This is, like, maybe stupid. What about <laughs> Matthews? Like, I feel like the expectations are appropriate to a degree, but I also think, like, he could exceed he could get the expectations. 50 goals. He could get 50 goals and he could finish as a Hart Trophy finalist right. or maybe win it. I right. don't know. Yeah. The hard thing for him is, like, now he's got all these, like, starry teammates, but so do all the other guys. Yeah, I think that if he leads the NHL in goals, then he's exceeded what people are expecting. I still don't... He probably would have led the league in goals last year if he didn't get I hurt. I wonder if some people don't know how good Matthews is if the like he yes. he needs that year with like the numbers that blow everyone away where everyone's like okay mm-hmm. like I think people understand that he's one of the better players in the league but well, I mean we'll see the injury is really kind of like if you look at his his like without power play production his like even strength production is ridiculous it's number one yeah like goals right it's better than Ovechkin yeah well I think yeah and and the other thing with him is Trying to think what it is. So if if they build one of the other questions we got was about the power play units, which I don't. Oh know, yeah, that's I don't on know the list. If, I don't know if we can. We can get to that quickly. But let's say that they create a super unit as a first power play unit, and it's like really deadly. It converts at like twenty eight percent or whatever. Then Matthew's numbers are going to go, you know, way higher than we've seen to date. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's one of the things um, that happened the first year where he had better power play numbers, but he still didn't score a lot. Like that's going to be the interesting thing. Maybe. Jim Hiller over these summer months is like trying to crack away where they can put him in a different position maybe that he's yeah. more effective I don't know maybe maybe he's on the same unit as Tavares maybe he's not I don't know that's going to be one of the interesting things at camp to see what they yep. do yep because we don't know that Josh Lebo exceed expectations I hope they trade him and give him an opportunity somewhere else I like I don't think honestly the one thing that I don't agree with is that it's Babcock's fault like if he doesn't want to play somebody that's what his job is I blame more Lamarillo for keeping him on the team like they could have just gotten rid of him they could have waived him it was weird he signed that contract too it was a not a it feels like they told Levo that he was going to get a shot and then that is exactly what they said that's what Levo said that Lamarillo told him he was going to get an opportunity which is horse you know what yeah so you like i they were probably thinking if we have an injury or whatever that he comes into the lineup 
But, like, just be rational. Like, he, he didn't want to play him, right. clearly, which is fine. Just trade him. Let him play somewhere else. The, the shitty thing for him is, like, now that's, like, three years. Three years? Two years. Two years yeah. of his career. Like, prime earning years. One year he played 13 games and one was 16 or something. It's so, ridiculous. Perfect. Like, this is the time for him to make money. The other thing, too, is, like, if you can't trade him, just wave him. Wave him. Yeah. Like, let him go play in the if AHL. If no one takes like, him, then, yeah. yeah make yeah, some, yeah. like... Put some goals up and maybe earn your way back. Like, it's just a shitty situation. Yeah. I think that that is going to get rectified. I think that is going to be... I think that will be solved in the next six weeks. Okay. So, when are we doing... We'll do a podcast before the live podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, the live one's not until September 13th. We're trying... In the summer, we're trying to do it, like, every two or three weeks, right? Like... Okay. I don't know when we'll do it. Maybe we're gonna have to come up with some topics for the next one. I don't know what we're gonna talk about well, now. <laughs> the great thing is, is that when I throw it out, it's like Friday afternoon in August, and I throw it out on Twitter, and we get like, like look how many responses I got. That people, it's just amazing, like the passion for fifty four. I got fifty four responses. I mean, some of them are people making dumb jokes, but like you know, yeah, people are it. people are really fired up for the Leafs this year more than any other year I've covered the team going into training camp and everything like not not even close they're more fired up for the Leafs than since I've lived here like I think you'd have to go back to the Pat Quinn years look at their team yeah and like they were one of the six or seven best teams in the league so Mm -hmm. last year without Tavares yes all right so the podcast the live podcast September 13th you can get tickets online it's at the Rivoli Queen Street Queen Spadina let me look up that website again here just Uh, some air what else do you want me to say? The podcast is always brought to you by Babsocks. Visit babsocks.ca. They got a cool thing coming soon. Uh, so s- stay tuned for the cool thing that's coming. Uh, for tickets to the live event, head to homestand.ca and click events. Use the code athletic for $5 off. Should be fun. Like, we don't know. We've never done anything like this, but lots of podcasts I listen to do live events. We're a bit worried there will be no one there because we've never done this, but... That would, would just be our family. I think it's going to be full, but I don't know. Who the hell knows? If it's full, it'll be... It'll, I don't know. It'll be fun. Come drink beer with us and... It'll be right before camp, like we said, so it'll be fun. It'll be an interesting time. It'll be the day of the physicals, which... I don't know how we're going <laughs> to... Anyway, whatever. Maybe we can get Mike Babcock to come by. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's likely. All right. Uh, So we'll be back in a couple weeks. Thank you for listening to the pod.